thank you for joining the Hope Hotline. I am excited about today's questions. I'm always excited about the questions, to be honest with you. Uh, and sometimes some of them are way better than others. I do want to address a situation and a problem that we're currently having, but we are working it out. I was, I was uh, listening to the podcast because I evaluate myself. And every time I touch the desk right now, because we changed the microphone, like every time I touch the desk or I do one little thing, you can't barely hear that I'm touching it. Okay, but it sounds like a bomb is going off. I can't stand that. So what we've done in the meantime is we've hired, we've hired, we've bought a new mic, a new mic stand. So this is going to be solved very shortly because I'm not kidding you. I, that podcast that I watched since we got that thing right there, I can't stand it. It's driving me. See, the desk is hollow. Like there's no, you could see my feet. I'm going to show you my feet and it's going to be loud. See, my feet are right there. Okay. I got no bottoms. I got nothing underneath here. It's all empty. And now my my phone, my my watch just hit the thing, and now it just went. Can't stand it, guys. Can't. So Tracy's working on it. God bless her. Might paint that little thing so it matches the the Hope Hotline microphone. I'm gonna do that. It's gonna be pretty. But in the meantime, you're going to have to listen. You're going to have to deal with a lot of pounding and a lot. I mean, I'm barely, like, sometimes I'm, that's all I'm doing. And you're, it's really bad for you guys. So in the meantime, I'm not going to watch the Hope Hotline until the problem gets fixed. But I ask that you do. Okay. But, all right, let's do our first question. This is actually uh, perfect timing for where we're at. Tax season. Tax season. Everybody has to pay their taxes. We're all excited about that. I think tax date is April 18th, right? It's due. No, they changed it. It's not actually due. Sometimes if it lands, we're going to look that up right now. Are you guys looking that up for me right now? Tracy's on it. Thank you very much. April 18th. It used to always be the 15th. Heather is correct about that. It used to always be the 15th unless it lands on a certain day. But then, uh, let's see, COVID changed it. COVID changed everything. Uh, then Hurricane changed it for extensions. And you're right, Norma, you don't do your taxes. I do them. Lucky me. So, but I have a great accountant. If anybody needs a really good accountant, he's... His price is fair, and he is so good, and he's local. So if you need a good, if you live in town and you need a good accountant, let me know. I'll, I'll send him your way, because good accountants are hard to find. But he's phenomenal. Heather, you use him, right? I do. Heather uses him. I think my mama's gonna start using him. He's good, huh? Yep, good old Englewood boy. Smart. He's a good whippersnapper. He's a he's a he's a young whippersnapper. What did you say? Good. <laughs> I said good whippersnapper. That's not true. It's young whippersnapper. How is he about your age? I graduated with his brother. You graduated with his brother. Oh, you know what? Somebody else was telling me they graduated. Oh, Daryl and Melissa. We, I was just talking about this with Daryl and Melissa. But he's good. So, alrighty. For those of you who don't live in the area, I can't help you at all. But I can help you with this. Uh, with this question so it's about taxes and I did call him I did call my accountant just to make sure that I was giving the appropriate information because I mean I dealt with this issue myself so uh, the question is is are we supposed to claim our tips for taxes so if you're a waitress like when I had my cleaning company you get tipped all the time and so um, in some cases like my kids have been in the, well, not, I don't think Tommy ever was, but Norma was. Uh, Tommy was a valet, so he got tipped all the time. His uh, tips were included in his check. My daughter's tips were included in her check. So automatically that means that you're going to be paying taxes on that, right? But if you were someone like me, uh, but not all waitresses is that the case. Sometimes you get your tips um, outside of that as cash. 
um, if you had a cleaning business like I did, um, then how it works is like uh, some people paid me in cash and some people paid me um, in a check and then they would give me a tip. So uh, let's just say, um, so if people want to know, so people are asking, I guess, do you have to pay taxes on on your tips? 100% yes. You absolutely have to pay taxes on your tips. Now, will the IRS find out? No, probably not. The, my accountant said the IRS is never, never going to, they're never going to be able to find out because it's not tracked. But as a believer, as a Christian, we are responsible to do what, uh, to be honest and Basically, you pay taxes on your income, on what provisions are brought in. So, um, you pay tithe, hopefully, on your tips. I would think you do. Every anything that you profit, you should pay tax. tax uh, you should pay um, tithe on. If you sell your house, if if somebody gives you a gift. All of that you pay tithes on. It's income coming into your home. So if you sold your house, uh, and we've had people be like, I'm not doing that. Well, okay, you rob yourself from what God has for you. That's fine. But it's worked out for us. Um, when we've sold, we, we've only sold a couple houses. Um, um, but uh, one time, we I think it was we made $40,000 or something like that on one of the houses we sold. And we paid we paid off the house and then they give you a check for what your profit is on it when we pay tithe on that and then an offering as well so i used to um not anymore because i have to pay all the time but even when i got my taxes if i got a tax return and i got tax return money i've already paid tithe on that because i always pay on the gross not on the net the gross is the total amount that you got paid. So that's the total income that you received. And then they take out taxes and they take out insurance or whatever. I always pay what was all, what I would have gotten from the very beginning because that's biblical. So um, even when I got paid, when I got a tax return, and I'm not telling people they have to do this, but it always paid off. It's always paid off for Tom and I. It, we, we've always been big givers and um, we've seen uh, and reaped the rewards of this so when I would get my tax return I would always pay a tithe and offering off of that so um, but my accountant said uh, you should pay 100% you should pay taxes on your tips he said will they find out probably not they'll never know Um, all income is to be reported all income is to be reported uh but if you don't they won't know but god does and lying's a sin i've known people who've cheated on their taxes um, and it, they they do it every single year it's not by an error it's not a a thing where they were like they had a a moment where they were just a little weak and they just did something they knew better than to do um, these people on a regular basis every year cheat on their taxes. That is a heaven and hell issue because if you lie and you determine that this is what you're going to do every year and you justify it in your mind as, well, they take too much of my, take too much of my money anyway. We can rationalize and we can make up excuses on every level to justify a bad action. But at the end of the day, when you go before God and you stand before him, do you honestly believe that he's going to say, oh, that makes sense. That lie, that makes sense. I I see why you did it. That's a justified reason. No, black and white. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Anything more than that, it says, is from the evil one. So if you are to do it, if you are to pay taxes on something, you pay the tax that you owe. You don't rationalize and get around cheating. Cheating never works, and you will answer to God for it. You cannot. Struggling with a situation is much different than rationalizing it out, living it out, and determining that this is what I'm going to do every single year because 
what they're doing to me is wrong. So it's right. It's like saying, uh, it's like justifying, um, uh, men justifying looking at pornography because they believe their wife, because she's withholding from them, that they have the right to now look at pornography because of whatever their situation is with their wife. They have rationalized sin because of what someone else is doing to them. It's the same with your taxes. Would you rationalize? Do you, do you as a woman, does that make sense to you? As a man, it might um, because you want to do what you want to do. But it's still wrong. You'll still go to the same hell. And it's still sin. So you can rationalize something out as much as you want to. But when you go before God, he doesn't care. All he's going to care is, did you do what you were supposed to do? If you didn't, there are consequences for your action. That's it, period. So there's reaping and sowing. And uh, if you have children, they'll see it. You may think, well, they'll never know. Eventually, they might. Um, And hypocrisy kills. It is... It is something that it trickles down into other areas of your life. And so if you make concessions for one thing, then you may start making compromise and concession in other ways. It's not worth it. Don't do it. Just pay what you owe. God will get it back for you. He will. And some. Just, Just pay what you owe. The tips, it's not worth it. It's better for you not to get a tip if you're going to lie on your taxes. So... Pay what's owed. And people use write-offs that aren't right. Me and Heather talk about this all the time because there are certain write-offs that um, we're able to take and things like that. And we always lean or veer to the side of caution. And if it's anything questionable about whether or not it's something that we rightly should do. And, and sometimes, like, our, my accountant will say, it's a gray issue. Um, and he's super conservative, so even for him, he's like, I wouldn't do it. It's gray, though, so you probably could. And for me, I always go, no, I'm not doing it. Even if it's not gray and it doesn't sit right with me, I'm not doing it. I don't care. I will I will go the other way because I just know God's going to get me the money back. I don't have to worry about that. So if it's supposed to be mine, I'll get it. I never, ever hang on to anything tightly because I just do loosely because I know that I'll always get the return, okay? So uh, next question. What to do when your teenage son doesn't desire a relationship with God? Wants to do the opposite of what we're telling him. He's 16. He doesn't seem to understand God's love. We've tried everything. We stand in in prayer together, but this is getting old fast. He's dealt with so much that we say no Harry Potter, Pokemon, some video games and shows, to now saying no to some big choice, uh, book choices. He knows what's, what's right from wrong, but doesn't care. We did not raise him this way. We've disciplined him, love him in church every week, minus a few days, and we have three other kids who are also watching him act out this way. So um, what I would tell you first and foremost is I would say, has I'm not going to justify his bad behavior, but I will tell you between 16 and 20, it is not abnormal for kids to start evaluating their walks with God and saying, do I believe what I believe because my parents have forced it on me and that's what they believe, or do I believe what I believe because I believe it? It's not abnormal. Um, it's it's actually more normal than it's not, which is not good, but that's the way it usually runs its course. Um, and de- depending on, I won't say how good of a job the parents did, but I would say depending on the amount of hypocrisy in the home, depending on certain circumstances that are in the home will determine how far a child will go i will say um i will say in my house um uh there was four of us three of us my parents had to deal with it on a broader scale i was probably as far as sowing wild oats goes and questioning my christianity 
I'm not the worst in my family, but I was probably the second worst. I have a, my older sister. I'm not quite sure where she is, spiritually speaking, if she's saved. Um, my brother um, is saved. He wasn't as bad as me by no means. Uh, my older sister wasn't as bad as I am, or I was, excuse me. I went out there and lived, a, I was wild. Um, my brother saved, I'm saved, and then my younger sister, she really never, I think when she was about 16, she kind of was trying to figure out her Christian walk and where she was and why she was that way. Um, and she was minor. So my parents have a good record, three out of four ain't bad, and potentially there may be a fourth, I don't know. Um, but uh, I will tell you that three of us, kind of had to figure things out on our own I would always examine always examine what part we as parents play and our children doing what they do um, especially since you have three children following suit so was there do as I say not as I do kind of thing was it that you're allowed to watch certain things as a parent, but your children aren't allowed to watch those things? There's hypocrisy. I mean, it's, it can be what we think is very, very small. But if, and this is a rule that Tom and I always had, if they can't watch it, we don't watch it. If they can't say it, we don't say it. If they can't read it, we don't read it. And we don't, for example, uh, you don't let them watch SpongeBob, but you watch Seinfeld. And Seinfeld's very old, but what's a new what's a newer show? I don't watch TV. What's a newer show? Like Modern Family. Thank you, Tracy. Like you you have certain rules that they can't watch certain things like Rugrats. That was a huge thing and that's not even on anymore, right? Rugrats isn't on. But you there's certain shows that our children weren't allowed to watch, but at night we we as parents are watching things that are far worse than what we said our the cartoons our kids couldn't watch and they're seeing us watching them they're hearing what's going on they can see it those are seeds that you think well they they don't know oh they know and they will come up because seed a seed planted grows and it'll grow good or it'll grow bad so self-evaluation if there's anything that's been uh, that has been shown to be hypo uh, hypocritical to your son and to your other children, you just need to confess it. You need to repent of it. You need to say, I was wrong for doing that. I lived and said one thing and I did another. You can go to church all the time. I, I mean, I grew up, my parents were in church pretty much every single time the door opened. Three out of four of us did not go well. And I think my mom, my mom is very, I grew up and I'm not an I'm sorry person. I had to grow, I had, uh, being married to Tom has been very good to me, good for me because he has taught me to be an I'm sorry person. My dad never said he was sorry. I think I heard him say I'm sorry twice my whole entire life. That is not healthy and that is not good. My mom, uh, she watches this podcast, so what I'm saying it won't bother her a bit, uh, uh, me being transparent about our home, my mom would be transparent as well. But at my house that I grew up in was it was a it was a was full of hypocrisy. Not so much from my mom, but from my dad. Um, uh, he was a great man, loved God. He's no longer with us. I would say this if he was still alive. Um, he was a I, I adored my dad my dad was a great great man um but he had some things that he that were very hypocritical that were do as I say not as I do and they caused three of his kids to question their Christian Christ, to question Christianity to differing degrees and we ultimately have to take responsibility for it because it was our actions that either walked away from God and then came back or whatever the case may be. But as a parent, you take responsibility for what you have to take responsibility for. And maybe those things have hindered and helped that to happen. And I'm not saying that that's the case, but a lot of times it is. So self begin with self-evaluation. Take 
take, take care of and take ownership of the part that you need to play. Saying I'm sorry is not always the easiest for, for, for some. Me, I know this. I've had to learn it. I don't like it. I do it. I don't ever do it, though, if I don't think. I, if I don't say I'm sorry, it's not because I'm being stubborn. It's because I don't believe that I've done something wrong. If I have, though, I will do it. I don't enjoy it, though. I'd be lying to tell you, if oh, it doesn't bother me a bit. Oh, it bothers me. I don't like it, but it's what's right. You have to do it. Um, Tom, he's a master at saying he's sorry. Even though he's a master at it and it comes easy to him, he still doesn't enjoy it either. Um, but it is something that's very, um, it's something that has been trained and ingrained in him. And he does it without hesitation. So uh, I'm learning to be like that. And if you are not like that, learn to be like that because it'll free you, it'll save your family, and it'll save you from a lot of heartache. If it is something that you're very easy at doing and if you have um, made mistakes that you've played a part in with your child going this way and you have apologized, be free. Be free. What I will tell you is to do what my parents did for me and you're already doing it, but know that there's hope in it. Just keep praying for them. If you trained them up, the word is clear. Train them up in the way that they should go. And when they grow old, they will not depart from it. That is what it says in Proverbs. You need to just stand on that word and stand on that promise. None of us are perfect parents and all of us make mistakes. It's just to the varying degree of how far, right? So I will tell you that um, just love them through it. Don't condone or or allow things to go on that the that are not I, make sure you are disciplining them because your kids they will see it i think one of the reasons my sister younger sister didn't go bad is because she saw how my parents disciplined each of us um i got it the worst but i deserved it the worst i was i was hellacious i was not a good kid um but that it happened when i was 18 my brother's was was when he was 16 and my sister was when she was 17 so you know it happens around this i've known people it's right like just before they turn 20 it's because there it's an immaturity thing it depends on how mature you are or how enticed you are at the time to to do certain things and so but make sure that your children see that there are consequences for actions because it will save them from going his way and um, be honest with them. Be honest where he's at and help, you know, they probably, not probably, they love him and they don't probably want him to be going through this for any longer than he wants it to go. So as a family, just keep doing what you're doing. Make sure you do self-reflection, huge. And then if there's any apology that needs to be made, start, start saying it, start making that happen. And that is a healing process. When you say you're sorry and you own your part of it, that's a healing process. And it's very good for children to see, kids to see. Um, because what it makes them do is, um, they, most kids want to be like their parents. They love their parents. And so they f will follow in your footsteps. So that's all I have to say about that. But but I um, let's just pray because I feel like, I feel compelled to pray and to pray for your situation so let's just pray really quick together heavenly father i just come to you right now and lord i ask that you be with this family and i ask that you be with this young man lord you love him you desire him and you want him back in the fold if he isn't already lord give these parents wisdom to know how to handle each and every situation that they come across love him through it lord you love him more than they do. So allow him to know how much you love him as well. Pull him in, draw him in, and bring him back with as few scars as possible from the things that he may say and do that he will regret later. And when he does come back, let those things be something that he doesn't even remember. They will be a thing of the past. But Lord, let it only be a short period of time so that there's little damage done to his spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 
We're going to stand with you. We know that we know that we know he'll be back because we stand on the promise that God provided in his word for our family, our four parents that, that train their children up. You've done a good job by making sure they stay in church and what they hear and see. Just make sure that there's no hypocrisy that might he might have seen to make him you know, go the direction he, he's gone or anything that you feel compelled or convicted about. Confess it, not just to God, but to him. Get it all out on the table and start the healing process. Okay, next question. Where is the coolest place you have traveled to and would you go back? So for me, the coolest place that I've ever been to, which I always said I never wanted to go. I used to uh, tell Tom, I'm like, I would never go there. And he... It, never say never. That's what I would tell you. Because every time you say never, that's exactly what happens. I mean, I can tell you so many times in life, I said never to things. And that's exact. I said I would never, ever do children's ministry. I did children's ministry. I was the children's uh, pastor for the church for five plus years. Some of the best years of my life. I never in a million years thought I would do children's ministry. And some of the best memories, some of the best relationships I cultivated, um, just the sweetest moments. So never say never. Unless you actually want to end up doing that very thing that you're saying you're never, never going to do, then say that. Otherwise, you'll end up doing it. So, um, so the coolest place I ever went to was Israel. I never wanted to go there. I never, I mean, just because of the conflict that's over there, it's, it seemed dangerous to me, which I don't know why I would be like that because nothing will ever harm me, Psalm 91. But I was just like, yeah, no, I have no interest. But the more I dug into the word and the more that I wanted to understand what the uh, Middle Eastern mindset and lifestyle so they could understand the word at a greater depth, so that it would become more real to me, more revelatory to me. That's when I was like, I think I want to go there. So I kept, kept for many, many years, I was like, I think I, I do want to go to Israel. Ends up, I get a job that's an Israeli-based uh, company. So everything, they have companies all over the world, but their main headquarters was in Israel. And this is a sales job. So my department never really got to go to Israel for some reason. I don't know why they didn't consider us to be worthy to go over there. But the last year that I worked there, which was 2019, crazy, because that's when COVID went cray-cray. Actually, it was in 2019. It was 2020, I believe. 2020 is when COVID hit, right? So 2020, um, yeah. It was 2020. So in January of 2020, I got paid and it was paid for for me to go over there. I, I was over there for probably 10 days. I got to sightsee. I worked for like five days of that and then I got to go out and sightsee and do the rest um, on my own. And uh, with, with obviously I, I, one of my best friends even to this day was my boss and I still I she's still I mean I talked to her I don't know how much I talked to her I talked to her pretty frequently um still uh but she and I got to she's a it was it's awesome when you get to work with believers so that at that company just so happens the co-worker that I worked with um she and I became very, very close, very good friends. Still talk to her all the time. Solid Christian. Uh, and then my boss, solid Christian. So my work environment was pretty sweet um, because we were this cohesive unit. Uh, basically, believed the the pretty much believed the same way on almost every topic. And so, like you would be working and iron sharpening iron because you're talking about God stuff all day long um, or even how to handle a situation on your job in a Christ-like manner but so she and I got to go over to Israel together we got to sightsee she had been there before so she was a great tour guide um, but you have to when you go to Israel it's like going to Washington DC on steroids okay because Washington DC has got so much history to it and so much stuff to see you can't get that done in a week 
You couldn't even, you can't barely get it done in two weeks. But you go to Israel and come on. I mean, it's been around for forever. So like every, everywhere you go, I stayed in Tel Aviv. There was uh, what was, it was called Joppa, but it was at the time Jaffa. So it's like everywhere you go is history all over the place. And um, so you walk out your front door and you're experiencing history and and where Jesus walked or his disciples walked or whatever. It's Or Paul, whatever. Uh, you can't do Israel in a short period of time. You have to like weeks and weeks and weeks. So the five days or... Maybe it wasn't five days. It was close to that. Five days that we got to really see some things on our own, whether it would be after work or um, um, because I was there for like 10. Uh, So, But some days you had to work, and so we would go out in the evenings and we'd do tours. And then when we were done with work, I actually got to take some vacation days and stay. But I didn't even come close, not even close to seeing what, what there is. So I would absolutely, positively go back. But as Tracy reported or put on the podcast the last time, um, Perry Stone is probably one of the most knowledgeable. Um, if you ever want to go to Israel, he sh- you should go with him. Um, in fact, my boss, she did go to one of his um, tours to Israel, and she said it was off the charts good. So Tracy, will you put his information back up in case anybody wants to go? And he's actually your tour guide. Sometimes, even on his shows, if you've ever watched them, he actually has where he'll do one of his uh, TV shows or a multitude of them. He'll do it while he's over there, and then he'll talk about it. It's, I'm, t- I'm telling you. What I did when I before I went there, or before I even knew I was ever going to go there, when I would study something out in the Bible, I would actually look it up on the Internet so that I, like, the Kindred, Kindred Valley, I was like, what is that? Where is that? Like, because it talks about so much in the four, um, four Gospels. Like, where is the Mount of Olives? What, what, what does that look like? So what I would always do is in relationship to where they were at, I would look it up so that I understand the distance between maybe how far they walked, where its location was in relationship to Jerusalem, the whole thing. Uh... So that I could actually picture what was going on at the time of where I'm reading it. So he has, so he's only got one coming, and uh, Tracy pulled it up, and it's November 19th through the 28th. I am sure what they're going to be, that's not that much time, so he's probably going to be covering a lot of bases or a lot of things in that short period of time. But... Uh, so I would tell you, maybe maybe you don't want to go to Israel, but you want the Bible to come to life for you. Um, I would tell you, buy his Bibles. They're kind of expensive, but he's got, if you want the Bible to come alive for you, read. He has uh, their King James Version, but he has his Old Testament and his New Testament. The Old Testament's about that thick. And then the New Testament's about that. Heather, you have a you have a Perry Stone. What do you think about that? She really likes it. At the end of each chapter. At, oh my gosh! So yes, good point. At the end of each chapter, hey Talia, look in my purse and see or my my bag, my Kate Spade bag right there. Do I have my Bible in there? <gasps> no, that's not my Bible. Dadgum! I thought I might have brought it. I thought I might have brought my Old Test or my New Testament. All right, I didn't. Um, so. If it, after each chapter, what he does is he has it's called in depths, where he goes in depth about certain subjects that you may uh, want to know about and know deeper. Um, also, he has a study portion at the Bible where he breaks down what was going on at that time. He breaks that scripture down. Um, it's it's so phenomenal. It's like no other Bible I have ever read before, and I've read, I've looked at a lot. Um, uh, Pastor Rodney, if you want, um, if you want a really good Bible about uh, giving, what, what, what would you say, Tracy? Pastor Rodney's Bible because it's 
It's all about prosperity, but it's the scriptures of understanding the reaping and sowing or sowing the seed and knowing the what's coming back. That his Bible, he has amplified, he has, um, but his is King James as well. But if you are a person that struggles with um, knowing scriptures about healing, about the promises of God is more of what I'm trying to get at. What are the promises of God? Um, what did Jesus do and the promises that were provided when Jesus walked this earth? Pastor Rodney's uh, Bible, bar none, hands down. And he has 120 of his personal sermon notes in his Bible. Oh my gosh. Like the wealth of knowledge in those Bibles. Like you can get, you can go and buy a generic Bible. Like I just got a new, um, and it hasn't come in yet, but a Thompson Chain Bible. Uh, they're phenomenal, but they're not like a Perry Stone or a um, Pastor Rodney. They're, they're not, they don't compare. Um, because color-coded stewardship scriptures tom has two of them and he will not share them with me he has a yeah norma's looking at me like you're kidding my husband is not a good sharer at all not he does not share shares nothing but he'll gladly take what you got he he says the house is a funnel a funnel like the top part is me tommy norma um, everything funnels right straight down to him. He does not share worth a lick. But we have to share with him. We gladly do, though. He's sweet. He's cute and sweet and funny. But seriously, the, the, those two Bibles, oh, my gosh, they will change your life. They amplify, too, the amplified version that's now come out. My mom was just telling me they've totally changed it. They've gotten rid of more descriptive words, and it's gone woke a little bit itself. So if you stick to, like, really solid teachers, see, because if you go with a teacher's Bible, they have their own teachings in them. So it's, uh, it's more like I like Zondervan. But he's not really teaching in it. He's just breaking down the scripture for you. Whereas Pastor Rodney and uh, Perry Stone's Bible, they're, they're, they're uh, geared more towards their gifting. Whereas Pastor Rodney is very um, called to preach about, uh, he's evangelistic and he's called to for people to understand their promises and what God God's word says about their promises. Jonathan is the same. Pastor Jonathan, he's geared very much to the prophetic, which Pastor Rodney is very prophetic, geared to the prophetic, understanding who you are in Christ and and uh starting you out on that. Whereas Tom is understanding who you are in Christ and then the disciple portion of that. Wouldn't you say He's very geared to discipling you to being who you are. So they're all very different, but they're kind of all the same at the same time. Um, Tom's more of a coach. Pastor Rodney is more of a, like, a stern disciplinarian parent that has great love for their child. I See, I not that he's God, but I see Pastor Rodney very much like how God would be. Like, I mean, he's very, like, he's the closest example in human form to me. And I'm not saying, please, people, don't freaking go nuts on me saying I'm saying God, that Pastor Rodney's God. He is not God. But I'm just saying, like, as a person, seeing him in person, he's, he's not a, like, he's a flawed human being. I've, I, I know that. I've seen that. But I'm just saying to you, as far as how he is consistently across the board, who he is with people, how he responds to people on the whole, not every time, but it's just like if discipline is needed, he provides the discipline. If love is needed, he pours out the love. He's way more pouring out the love. And he's to me, he's very much like how I see God being. Jonathan, he's very much an encourager. Um, he's whacked no, there's no filter that's for sure 
But he's true blue. I mean, oh my gosh, you want to talk about somebody who loves people, who cares about people. Oh my gosh. I think people misunderstand him because he's so can be so callous with what he says. Like kind of doesn't care. I mean, I'm married to a man who doesn't care. Heather's looking at me. Heather says it's fantastic. <laughs> of course Heather says it's fantastic. But like I spent a lot of time with him in Adalas privately. And I've never seen people like they really care about people. They would give the shirts off their back for anybody and everybody. They are some of the biggest givers I've seen ever. Like genuine. They don't want anything back. They don't care. I mean, I, those are t those two people I, I, I genuinely wish that because I think they're kind of misunderstood to a certain extent because uh, I think people think that they might be flashy. They're not flashy at all. I mean, I think that they're, they have a point behind like why they do what they do and it's all God driven. And I think people can misunderstand it, but I'm just saying that they are the most real people as far as ministers and Pastor Rodney is too. As far as ministers go, I've, I've met a lot. I've grown up in church. I've met a lot. I've never seen more real people in all my life. Like what you see is what you get. Like who they are in front of you and who they are behind the scenes, same exact people every single time. You would be more, you, you're, I think you're more endeared to them not in front of people just because they're even better and better. Like they're not fake. There's nothing fake about oh, and Pastor Adonica. Oh, God. Don't get me going on her. I love that woman. So um, back to the question. Um, so I would say, listen, if you want to make the, the Bible come alive for you, um, I know this question was asked about where I would go, but it all flows. If you want the Bible to come alive to you, start opening it up. Don't just read the scriptures. Start op opening up the maps. The maps are there for a reason. The maps are there so you understand the travel, where they were going, how what it looked like, how it was. It totally brings the Bible to life. And you know what? I love this book. And I'm going to have uh, Tracy pull it up so you can see it. Um, I don't... Like, I could never watch her show because she drove me nuts. It's not that I can't stand her. But I can't stand her. Not in a bad way. But Kathy Lee Gifford, some people love her. I think she's a real person. I really do. And that's why I can't not not stand her. Because I think she's a real person. But she has this great, great book. And it's called uh, The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi. And she loves Israel. And she has gone there and she has taken these tours that, you know, we would only dream of. Because she has lots of money. Uh, but we'd only dream of them because she would go there for long periods of time. And she had rabbis, personal rabbis, take her on these tours and stuff like that. I believe someday I'll be able to do that. I'll be honest with you. And people say, you're a big dreamer. But with God, all things are possible. I don't put limits on God. But in, for her, she'd go there for a very long period of time um, because she could. Like, whatever. Um she breaks down so many different locations and then you get the rabbi's explanation of these locations as well and things that nobody even knows that um, are just amazing i i think i've read that book twice and it brings the word to life and then when i read about it in the bible i can remember what the rabbi said about this place or what she learned about this place and it's factual truth. It's not like she's making it up. No, these are events that happened or things that uh, show something that would confirm, whatever the case may be. Her, her, that book, if you like to read, it's an easy read, but man, it's so good. It's such a great book. I strongly encourage you to get it and to read it and uh, it'll help you with the Bible. But the Bible will never be the same the more you understand the history of it. And I'm not a big... I, I like history, but don't read the Bible because you're a history buff. Read the Bible because you need to know the history in order to understand the word better. 
that makes all the difference in the world. Some people are history, like history, and so that's the reason why they buy it or they read it, so they can understand the history. You need to understand your faith, and that's the reason why you understand the history. So faith first, history second. Okay. Um, next question, and okay, so listen, my next questions. I'm going to explain something to you. This is the hope hotline. For some people who don't understand that, this is the Hope Hotline. This is not the Tom Lipley Hotline, okay? God bless. When we asked, when we had him on the, the podcast, or this podcast, and we asked you to ask him questions, that was meant for that podcast. That was not meant for other podcasts that I have. For you to ask me to ask him questions. I laugh, but I'm serious. <laughs> I'm like, I have gotten questions from people asking me to ask Tom questions. God bless you. I'm not, I'm only going to do two, okay? And these will be the only two that I ever do unless he comes back on my podcast. And then you can ask him questions, okay? But don't ask me to ask him questions because this is my podcast, not the Tom Lightley podcast. So last night, after church and after he had taken a nap, oh my gosh, he was sawing some wood. His mouth was wide open. That's what he sounds like. Ridiculous. And the dogs laid right up next to him. He's asleep too. So after he was done with his nap, he was refreshed. And I knew he would actually answer them because he has to be in the mood to answer or do anything like this. Um, I asked him these two questions. So if these are yours, they're from him. He says, I, this person says, I have a question for you to actually ask your guest, which at the time, I guess they thought it was going to be Tom. Tom's not on this podcast. And I know people have asked if he would be on it on a regular basis. I'm not insulted, but I'm going to answer you heck now. Okay? I mean, I loved it when he was here. I thought it was funny. I mean, the man is stinking funny. He's just hilarious. I told you, I married him for a reason. Or I dated him for a reason. He's funny. But, this is my podcast. So he will, he'll come back. I don't know when. When the world is ready. When I'm ready. He'll be back. So, says, my husband and I watch Foundation Church services every week. I have heard Tom say to pray the Spirit. And that's pray the Spirit. I believe that's, that's how it's stated. And I don't understand what is meant by that. Could he please clarify? We live in Michigan, have visited your church three times. We love it and are faithful listeners. So, I don't know who you are, but first of all, that's pretty dang awesome. You've come here three times from Michigan. I, Tom and I like are so honored when people come here and visit or even watch the podcast or watch the service or watch a podcast or like you can't take that stuff lightly I mean you can have a podcast all day long or you can have a church service but nobody comes what's the point you have nothing so it takes people in order to make something work and it takes people to make I mean we we have an unbelievable amount of volunteers that make this church work. We have um, people who give so much time and energy uh, because they believe in what this ministry is doing. And uh, so I thank if you're one of those people and you're watching right now, thank you from the bottom of my heart. But thank you so much if you just watch the podcast or if you watch the services and things like that and you support it. Because it costs money. I mean, Tom's on TV. Um, two different, he, the, serv the, the service is now on TV. Um, uh, on our local cable, it goes from North Sarasota all the way down to South Fort Myers, Naples area. So he's, our services are now on that two times a week. But then the podcast is on Saturday night. That costs a lot of money. That is not free. But we have to wake people up. We have to win the lost. That's the reason why we have the services on lo the uh, local cable channel. And we also have to wake the world up 
so that they know what's going on. It's it's clear it's clear that um, if we rebuke the devourer and if we um, stand strong, as long as we are fighting against the spirits and the principalities and the things that are coming against us, then we're going to continue to win and we're going to hold off what Satan's trying to 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 thwart against us. But it takes money to do that. So uh, the people who watch and support the church, um, we, we greatly thank you for that because lights have to be turned on and air has to be running and things need to be fixed and all of that takes money. So, and we have lots of things that we still need to do. We're trying to get Tom on radio, um, things like that because the world, we need to win the loss, but we, we need to wake up the world to know what's going on and what uh, what is trying to be accomplished to get us to a one world order. And we need to fight that with everything we have. And that means your funds, your money, right? We're all supporting it. So, um, so I want to thank you for watching and being a faithful follower. He appreciated that um, as well as I do. And this is what he said. He said, and I'm going to read it verbatim for you so that you know it came from the horse's mouth. He said, speaking in tongues and praying in the Bible is what he means when he says, pray the Spirit. So when he says, pray the Spirit, it means speaking in tongues and praying the Bible. And he gave me three scriptures to give to you for you to look up, okay? So Luke eleven thirteen, which validates his pray the Spirit. Okay, so when he says pray the Spirit, he's using these scriptures for that, okay? Luke eleven thirteen it says ask for the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians fourteen two said it further explains that same scripture. Then John sixteen thirteen is the Spirit speaks the word. Okay, so let's go back. I'm going to repeat those scriptures one more time for you. Luke eleven thirteen ask for the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14.2 further explains. And John 16.13, Spirit speaks the word. Okay? The next one is for Tom. It says, here's one more for Tom. Oh, why or why should we not believe in the Bob Jones Super Bowl prophecy of revival in America? I do believe revival is coming, but why include the wokety-wokest of events being included as the dependency in God's message. Seems to sour it for me. I also don't know anything about Bob Jones to base anything on. My false prophet radar is up, but I do not, But I do want revival. Okay. So Tom said that he hadn't heard anything about Bob Jones, the Bob Jones prophecy. I mean, we know about Bob Jones because um, we actually used his curriculum for my daughter um, from uh, kindergarten to, I believe, second grade. It's, he has great curriculum, um, homeschooling curriculum. But So he said he doesn't know anything about the Bob Jones prophecy. Um, he's, he talks to Pastor Ronnie and Jonathan um, on a somewhat regular basis neither one of them and they all talk about this stuff all the time they talk about what's going on um, in the church world as well as what's going on in the world world and um, how it relates to in times things like that or just just in general right so um, maybe not in times but like what what how things are going globally, I should say, which ultimately is is end time stuff, revelations. But so not, he said, he told me, he's like, they never talked to me about any of this stuff either. So he's not even sure if they know about it. Um, and normally, like if one knows, they all know. Or if one knows, it's not been on any social media feeds, he said, nothing. Normally that stuff is. Um, so he's like, I he knows nothing on it. And, and and normally he would hear about it. So um, I'm not sure if what you read was accurate or if it actually came from him. Sometimes people will put stuff out that is not true or isn't is not accurate. So he said he can't really comment on it. 
because his basis for commenting would be nothing um, foundational or strong. So because of that, he's like he does. He's like because of that, I'm not going to really comment on something that I don't have a strong um, foundation to speak on. So, and that I'm going to do one more before we go. I have less than five minutes, but all right. So the last one: Is it okay to do yoga and join the Masons? Okay, this is a very common question. I might go longer than five minutes. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to save this one. I'm going to save this one for my next podcast so I can go into it more detail because this is going to take a little bit longer. So let's talk about salvation. But first, before we do that, I'm going to talk about giving. Uh, I just had, uh, I talk about Kristen all the time. I don't know why. But yesterday when uh, my girlfriend Kristen was leaving church, she said to me, she goes, oh, I love your watch. I love your watch. I don't know if you can see it. I was like, I know, I love my watch too. It's new. Okay. I give away watches all the time. I give away watches a lot. Uh, And I love watches. That's one of, I just tapped on the desk. Sorry, that's gonna blow somebody's eardrum off, but or out. Um, we're working on it. That's right, Tracy. Um, so this watch right here. So I I got my very first watch um, from Pastor Rodney's granddaughter. Super sweet. And then it's a funny story, but I won't go into detail with it just because I won't do that for the person who gave it to I'm I'm gonna tell you who gave it me this watch though um so I got this watch from my sweet Bia and um the story is really sweet but I'll keep it private but she gave me this watch and uh I have to say outside of my ring I think I love this watch equally if not more (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I'm a watch person. And this ring is beautiful. And I would have never, ever paid what it cost. And I got this. This ring was given to me too. So. Um, but it's called sowing seed, people. If you sow seed, then it comes back. And you wonder, like, well, that's because, you know, you have a big church. Or, like, we didn't have a big church. And I think I got this before we did, my ring before we ever did. But that's because your husband's, you know, a pastor or whatever. So, no, that's not true. I I got stuff way before. I've always given. We've always given. I know people in this room, they're not pastors or pastors' wives or whatever. And they get stuff all the time. But they're givers. They sow seed all the time. So. This watch, I just got this watch, I don't know, a while ago. No, which when she was visiting. Hasn't been that long. When did she visit? When did I do the thing? In February? In last February. So it was the beginning of February. Beginning of February. I love this watch. And it was given to me. And it is gorgeous. It's one of the prettiest watches I've ever seen in my life. And it's the weirdest watch because... Like, look at how the shape of the, but it's big watch, which I love. It has diamonds all the way around it, and it's got this, like, I don't know, detail on the inside. It's a Swiss watch. It's gorgeous. <clears throat> but I will tell you, I give away a lot of watches. Now, I give away watches that cost 100, 100 plus, maybe a couple hundred dollars. This watch is way more than that. <laughs> But that, hey, listen, I'm just saying, I gave what I had. And, it, and like, I've given away watches that I absolutely loved. Like, it would only be because God told me to give it. I've never given a watch away or anything away unless God's told me to do it. Money, whatever. I strongly encourage you, if you encourage you. And I'm not saying it so you see I have a watch on my hand and you say, well, that's, 
I gave, I give so I get a watch. I didn't know I was going to get a watch. I'll be honest with you. I mean, when Pastor Rodney's granddaughter gave me her watch, I thought it was the sweetest thing and I had never get, gotten one before. And I never expected to get one. But I always know that you're planting seed and that it always comes back. How it comes back, I don't know. Like, could it be like if I'm in uh, the McDonald's drive through and I think I have money in my purse and I actually walked out with no wallet? Do I think that miraculously somehow because I've planted seed that I'm going to get that seed back and it could come back to me with my meal being purchased? 100%. I do believe that. Yes. I, the righteous will never be seen begging for bread. I sowed seed because I know that it'll come back to me. How it comes back to me is God's business. Okay. But some people hold on to everything like this. You are so tight fisted. And you will not give anything away because you don't think you can give it away. Because what will happen if you do? Will you need it? Will it, will it be there when you do need it? And I'm just telling you beyond a shadow of a doubt, it will be there more than you ever thought possible. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. Pay your tithes. Give an offering. Never, like every month, when we, Tom and I, sow our tithe. We sow a big offering and it has come back to us in, my stomach's growling, sorry if you heard that. My, it comes back to me in ways, it comes back to us in ways we never dreamt. If you could just get people to understand you're doing this for them, you're not doing it for you, I don't care. I do care about you though. I don't care that it doesn't benefit me in any way for you to do biblical principles. It benefits you. But I care about you. I want you to get what I get. Or not what I get. But I want you to see how God works and how like our blessings are no different than what he'll bless you with. Like don't settle. That's the only thing. Just don't settle for what you think life has to offer you. Settle for what God has to offer you. And it will super miraculously go beyond your wildest dreams. Just give him a chance with this. That's all I say. It is beyond your wildest dreams what he will do for you. And you will call me up thanking me because I pushed you so daggum hard to do something that was so simple and easy, but it felt like, I'm trying to think of the hardest thing that someone can possibly do. Outside of giving up your child, I think people think giving up their money is to that level. I really do. It is, it is not going to be that hard. It will be far beyond your wildest dreams if, if you actually do it. And you're going to kick yourself for not doing it sooner because you'll have wasted time. And, and the, like the, when you give the blessing... I mean, I know people who are losing things, that lose things. This world is crazy. They're losing uh, uh, just different things in their life because they can't afford them, right? But they don't pay their tithes and offering. And they wonder why this is happening to them. There are spiritual promises. There are biblical promises. If you do these things, I will come through for you. And they sit there and go, I don't understand why this is happening. And you try and solve it the world's way. When God is saying, trust me in this. Know that I will pour out the, 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 it's the rivers of heaven, right? No, it's, I'll pour out the something of heaven. And he'll give you a blessing that far exceeds anything your mind could conceive. So I will just say, if you're walking through a financial circumstance right now that's very difficult for you, sow a seed. Pay your tithes. I'll watch them come through. If you want more than enough, if you want to, to have things, if God tells you to give something that might be hard for you, give your car away. Give a pair of shoes away. Give, I mean, I give earrings away. I've given clothes away. Um, my, my, I've given stuff away when I didn't have it to give it away. But I knew God wanted And guess what? Your, your closet ends up being full of clothes that you never had to pay a dime for because you got hand-me-downs from somebody who has great taste and they like the nicest of things. Can't tell you how many times that's happened to me. Um, 
and you just sit there and go, you never, ever, ever let me down, Lord. So it may not happen the way you think it is, but it'll happen and it'll be better than what you think it is. So if you're not a giver, give. And if you are a giver that's not a joyful giver, it says that you have to be a joyful giver. You know, somebody, I've read that, um, and I don't know if it's biblical. I mean, you're supposed to give with the joy of the Lord. But I've also, I've also read and I've just listened to teaching where your giving is also a form of worship. And how do you worship? A lot of times, you know, you can tell somebody how they love the Lord. Is, or it's a reflection of who or how good of a relationship they have with the Lord is also by how they worship. If they are just kind of like ho-hum while they're worship, worshiping, you sit there and go, is that how they look at their walk with God, ho-hum? But somebody who's dogmatic and sold out and worshiping the Lord with all their heart, mind, and soul, you sit there and go, is that how they live for the Lord? A lot of times, you it is true, but I don't know if it's biblical. I'll have to look it up. But how you give is a form of your worship. So worship him because he's worthy. So be a giver. Um, last thing is if you don't know the Lord, I want you to seriously, seriously contemplate getting in your prayer closet and just praying to him and saying, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my life and, and, and do a 180 degree turn from the life that I was living to a new life with you. And if you do that, first of all, you'll go to heaven, which is huge. But the life that you live here on earth will totally be different. I used to live a Lucille Ball crazy life uh, before I came back to him. There was calamity every single day. And then I gave my life back to him. And guess what happened? Peace, calm, stability. Because that's what the word of God says is, is for you if you live for him. So we don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily going to say the sinner's prayer with you today. I think you... I think if you are watching this right now, I think you can say the words that need to be said and do what needs to be done. Get in that prayer closet. Get things right with God and, uh, and start living for him. Get into a great church, a strong faith-based church, one that is holiness-based, and see what he does with your life. Until next time, I will see you. Bye. Real talk.